I know. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, we're live. We're live on LinkedIn. Are we not? We're live. We are. We are live. Fantastic. Welcome, everybody, to another series of Onlitican Tribal's um, social advocacy uh, interviews. And today we've got Daniel Guzman from Mercer. A very warm welcome to you, Danielle. Thank you uh, so much, Tim. It's a pleasure. And, uh, and Danielle um, is the head of global social media um, for Mercer. She's got a financial services and insurance background previous to that. And really this uh, series is focusing on employees who are driving a lot of social influence and uh, really uh, an opportunity for them to share their thoughts on how they're becoming more influential, but also how they're empowering others within their organization uh, to become influential on social media as well. So, um, uh, so Danielle, it would be great for you to just give a bit of a background on who you are and, and also um, talk about you know, how you became prominent on social media. Sure. Happy to, Tim. And, and Sarah, it's great to see you again. Yeah, you too. Yeah, let's, we'll try and give Tim a bit of airtime this time, shall we? Poor old Alistair. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so for people that um, don't know the background to this, um, Sarah <laughs> and Danielle are, you know, are so um, uh, enthusiastic and passionate that one of my Onlitica colleagues didn't get a word in edgeways last time they spoke. So my mission is to not be drowned out um, and, uh, and to be part of the conversation. We will make sure that that happens, too. We will. Um, but, but thank you so much for the warm welcome. So, yes, I'm the Global Head of Social Media at Mercer. Um, how I came into this space, I mean, it's been an interesting journey. Um, I my, my education is in marketing. I actually started in the sales side of the business and kind of worked through sales, into training, um, and then into marketing, and then spent uh, a tremendous number of years in, in varying facets of the, the marketing organization. Um, predominantly, to your point, financial services and insurance. And I was basically noticing through that journey, obviously, one of the key things we focus on at, at, as a marketer is, is connecting with our communities, whether those are prospects or clients um, and or colleagues across the globe. And social media was slowly at the time becoming a really simple or uh, access channel to be able to do this virtually. And whilst not face to face in real life, you could get face to face with a lot more people a lot quicker. Um, and it was something I knew very little about. So about five, six years ago, I took a next twist on my career. And that's when I joined Mercer, a global consulting organization. Um, and in that period of time, I was really investing in just learning this channel. Um, for me personally, one of the best ways I find I can contribute into something is to understand it deeply. And we'll get into this a little bit more shortly. But I think one of the biggest hurdles right now with social media is um, People just don't know how to get started. They look at a channel and they're like, I don't understand this. What do I do? And that initial hurdle is often a bit too big of a jump to actually invest in it. Well, I, I actually was the one that bought that series of the, the yellow and black books for dummies. Um, you know, how to do Twitter for dummies, how to do everything for dummies. And I just invested deeply in those. And it took me about four or five months. Um, and from there, that kind of began my journey. I started on Twitter. Um, and uh, I actually just joined the conversation. Um, I actually didn't take Rob Cargo's um, guidance, which was sit back and listen and observe. I actually just dove in. So if you actually look at some of my initial tweets when I first started, you might think, what was she thinking? Because <laughs> I didn't know how this worked. Um, so I learned through trial and error and I met some pretty spectacular people along the way. And realize I think we've missed a trick to bring up some of your earliest tweets. We should yes. really have brought that up on screen. Sure, and because, uh, you know, someone like Tamara McCleary describes you as a, a social freak of nature in a very positive way because you're... <laughs> You're everywhere. You're just you're just so pro prominent on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you're you're giving a lot on social media. We should have brought a few of those early tweets just to just to make you human again. Yeah, I I think one of the very first ones was I might have told everywhere everyone that I was going to dinner, and didn't even say where. It, it, was, it was, I will actually have to find them and just share them after this because they're actually quite humorous. But the point is, I mean, I I, I guess looking back, I learned that you. You, you had to just try and fail, try and fail, try and fail, um, and have the tenacity to just kind of keep reading, learning, observing, and kind of going through that that loop. Um, and I quickly learned that social media was really just about giving and about that each of us influences someone, each of us has a voice and a point of view, and it's relevant to someone. 
And, and if we can have that confidence and just believe in ourselves and find the community that we're interested in having a conversation with, um, you can slowly just start to kind of come out of that shell. Interestingly enough, I'm much more uh, engaging and dynamic on social media than in real life. In a, in a room with 100 people, yes, I go and speak at events, et cetera, but if it's just like a meeting, I'm not most vocal in the room. Yeah. Media, you get a different persona. And you're right, Tim. I, I I'm not I am by no means a bot. I'm human. Um I know I know Tamara <laughs> and I have a conversation every now and then back and forth. Um but I but to me the, the absolute pleasure of social media is the engagement. I'm not there to just post all day or to click all day. I want to learn. I want to connect with you. What drives me to social media is the opportunity to build relationships with people and get to know people at scale. Oh, I've got, I've got to, I'm jumping in now, Tim. So you're going to have to wait. All right. So you're more than welcome. <laughs> you said something about there about um, everybody's relevant because a lot of people do, they're reluctant to go on social media because I've heard quite a few times, you know, I haven't really got anything to say. I don't think anybody's really interested in what I've got to say. And you'd be surprised. It's about the conversation, isn't it? And engaging others. But that's not what I'm going to ask you. I've got two questions, actually. And I'm going to get in <laughs> quick before Tim does. Um, Good statement you know, followed by two questions. They're going to follow yes. that format. Yeah. <laughs> uh, automation okay I'm not a bot I'm all human what's your th feeling about automation on social media does it have a place do you believe in it do you encourage it what's the what's the thing there that's a great question um I I do believe it has a place um and I encourage it as a part of the entire um kind of ecosystem that you're bringing to life I don't think it should be what leads uh, I do use it in the sense that I do schedule content. Um, we at Mercer also have a very thriving global employee advocacy program, which I'm sure we'll tap into. Um, and we do have a platform that we use and it, it provides uh, almost a safe haven and enables us to ensure that the content that we're providing our colleagues is you know, brand approved. Some of our content is compliance regulated. So, on, so we do have to abide to certain rules with certain types of content, but it also empowers colleagues with the tools and what they need in order to then create their own voices as they go out to market. So I do use technology in that capacity. I don't, for me personally, I don't um, use it in the sense that the tools that enable you to just take someone's tweets and automatically repost them as they're coming from you. I, when you see a comment from me or you see a post from me, either I created it and scheduled it or I'm genuinely behind it and I'm live. Um, yeah. and me is, and, and I, this word will probably come up 50 times in this, in this hour, but you know, I think you have to be real or authentic, um, you know, you, and that's really important to me. I want to know that the person I'm connecting with is genuinely that individual and not, you know, a bot or the way they've automated their responses. And yeah. I think it's super important as well as you build that momentum that people appreciate that. Um, you mentioned quickly a bit that, you know, people think that maybe I shouldn't go on to social media. It's not a place for me. That's one of the things I actually try to really uh, dispel in that, Everyone should be on social media. This isn't a place just for executives. It, it's, there is no hierarchy on social media. It's So whether you're an administrative assistant, a customer service rep, the CEO, everyone has an equal opportunity for conversation and to build their presence on social media. And I think that's a spectacular thing. Mm, superb. Second question wasn't related to that. I've not asked that one, Tim, yet. So <laughs> what's, what's I'm your patiently go- patiently waiting. <laughs> What's your go-to platform, Danielle? Is it, you said you started out on Twitter. You were all over LinkedIn as well. Tim said, you know, you're kind of everywhere. Um, how, what's your, or do you use one for, the, for one thing and another for another? How, how does that all work? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times when I'm online, I will actually be across several platforms literally from minute to minute. Um, and I do, so the, one of the things about technology is I do use my notifications. So yes. if I see someone ask me a question on Instagram, I'll go pop over and answer it. All of a sudden, if someone mentions me on Twitter, I'll move over there. So I do move quickly a bit. Um, but I use them very differently. So Instagram, which we haven't mentioned, is um, that's my personal platform. It is a public platform, but it's about me. I don't use it to talk about business or any of the key conversations that I'm passionately interested about. So if you want to like know, know who I am as a real individual, my family, what I do outside of work, you can hop over to Instagram and I have conversations with everyone over there. Um, Twitter is, is, you know, we like to call it, and I, I'm stealing a phrase from Tamara McCleary, but it's like a cocktail party. It's vibrant, it's dynamic, you know, it, it's definitely professional, but in a very more loose sense. 
Um, and there I, I tend to still stick to the key conversations that I'm passionate about, but it's it's a little bit more friendly and jovial and you know the gifts are flying around and every now and then I might pop a photo of what I'm doing in the moment or where I am or what I'm cooking. Um, then LinkedIn, I, I just tend to elevate the professionalism a little bit. Um, I tend to focus there on more, whether it's key conversations I'm passionate about on in support of Mercer or it's something external that I, I a conversation like the future of work, which I am very keen in. Um, I tend to focus more there. Uh, through the COVID pandemic, I have shown glimpses of a little bit of family life coming through but still keeping true to that like work context if that makes sense and I do like to have them a little bit unique in that way um, because I feel that if you do go across different platforms all of them together create your whole self um, and that's kind of the way I've structured it and I was gonna ask about uh, the, the the LinkedIn Twitter audience sizes and and you know, really the impacts that you're you're looking um, at when you post on there. So you've got uh, 48,000 followers on Twitter, you've got 5,000 on LinkedIn, and it isn't about the numbers, we understand that, but obviously you have got uh, potentially a, a higher audience in your first degree network um, on Twitter. So I, I guess my first question on, on that is, when did you see the kind of seismic uh, gain in followers? What, what, you know, was it like 10 years ago or something that you suddenly started like building a lot of audience or has it been consistent like throughout the last of 10 years or so? Wow, well, I'll start by saying, Tim, that uh, I wasn't active in social media 10 years ago, so. <laughs> So it wasn't the ten. I actually forget. started much later than that. So, uh, how long? How long ago? I, I must have missed. It. What year did you start? Yeah, maybe two thousand eleven. Yeah, let's have. Okay, a look. so how? Because because what I was mean, really. Because what is really interesting about what you said is a lot of people don't know where to start. So they look at your audience sizes and think, okay, 53,000 followers, you're, you're, you're posting a lot of content, you're in an organization where there's a lot of great professional content that you can share as well. So you've got that platform, you've got the cocktail parties going. Um, but obviously in the earlier years, you were, you were probably speaking and wondering whether there was a bit of a void. So I was just very curious as to when it suddenly started picking up um, and you actually found some good traction? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, the first thought I had when you mentioned it is, and I, I am such a fan, a believer of this is, you know, audience size doesn't matter, matter frankly. When I look at our employees or I look externally at, at what we call quote, influencers, um, some of the most talented individuals might have a very small following, but it's actually really about their niche expertise and the value that they bring. So I always try to not create a hurdle there with individuals in terms of don't be, if you've got 300 followers, those are 300 people that are that are there and ready to engage with you. So let, let's be proud and let's really harness that opportunity. Um, but for me, it's interesting. The journey actually, and this goes back to how do you get started? Um, I remember vividly to this day, it was April actually, it was in April of the year that I started. And I remember waking up in the morning and looking at Twitter and being like, I got a follower, one, one. And I was so excited. <laughs> and then the next morning I got like one or two more. And then I remember though the same week, I went back down to zero. I was like, I don't understand. So I went back to the book. Maybe I'm not that's because you, that's like, because you invited them to dinner after your first tweet. Ah, that's but this is genuinely like so I can I can I can still feel those emotions. And then I finally got to like 20. And then I was like, how do people get 50,000? I honestly, I, I it, it and I think because I lived that journey and I can still see those emotional stages of grief, despair, and everything else along the way, um, you learn so much. And what really helped me, Tim, was at first I didn't even realize I needed to talk about something. Like I was just out there. I didn't realize you actually needed to have a point of view or a focus area. So then I started kind of realizing that people were like all talking about this one very specific topic. And I was like, well, what am I gonna talk about? So I started thinking about what I cared most about. And actually to this day, I will proudly state that I absolutely love insurance. I'm not currently in the insurance industry, but I, I grew up in the insurance industry. I think it's a phenomenal industry. I, I follow it closely right now, even though I'm not there. I am really immersed into the whole FinTech community because I want to stay close to it. And I really love being a part of that conversation. Um, it keeps me grounded, 
And it keeps me thinking creatively because you can bring things from one industry into the next. Um, so once I realized that, then I started speaking to a swim lane. Again, I'm gonna go back to Tamara McFleary a few times because she's really a tremendous mentor. So I stuck to my swim lane um, and I really started talking about insurance. And then all of a sudden I started connecting with people. And then I started realizing, oh, so we're having a conversation. And then from there, I started kind of seeing how this worked. And then I kind of just started doubling down there. And I slowly built momentum. It was really taking off once I hit around 5,000 followers. And it's not the number. I think it took me about that much time to really figure out how to, how to engage and how to give back to my community. And it was about giving back. It wasn't about me just being out there pontificating. Um, and I think that was the critical moment when I realized that I could offer something that was valuable. People weren't there because it was me. They were there because of the content and the conversation that I was offering. Then things started really to take off. Um, and then to your point about you know, Mercer, obviously we have an incredibly rich um, platform of thought leadership. We have the most talented colleagues that are creating this content. Um, and I think that that's definitely a valuable piece. But I also will say that when I work with colleagues or with, with anyone, frankly, I always like to say that um, when we work with an organization, we rent our personal brand to that organization. They don't own it. And it's actually not a negative thing to say that. It's really empowering because we relate with people, right? A brand doesn't relate with people, we do. So the last thing another human wants is to just be pontificating all day, brand content, brand content, brand content, because they're gonna be like, oh, this is just a bot for the organization, except it's a human. Instead, they wanna to get to know you, they wanna connect with you, and then when you weave in that thought leadership or those points of view from the organization, now they're, they're, they're connecting with them because they're like, wow, she believes in this, and she's this in her own voice, and I trust her. So by then you're building an associated trust with the brand. And that's how you really, in my opinion, really create a powerful network for the brand. So we really um, emphasize and encourage colleagues to have a point of view personally and share content that you're passionately interested about. And then obviously we want you to obviously be a, a part of the conversation with the organization, but you know that should represent maybe about a third of what you do. Um, and then all of everything else that you wrap around that is what's going to enable and, and elevate the organization. So it's not a negative thing. It actually maximizes and optimizes the opportunity for the organization when you, when you kind of approach it that way. So you don't see me sharing Mercer all the time. I, I, I share content regularly from the organization, but you don't see it most prominently. And when I do, I connect it personally. And I think that's the really important part. But that's the that's the really complicated thing, though, right? And this ta this is tapping into advocacy a little bit. Is the employee brand, the employer brand, and how the two are connected, and finding your purpose within the with the company purpose, and being confident about that. There's quite a bit of soul searching someone has to do before they get get out on social. You know that that zero to a five thousand followers on Twitter took quite a lot of like figuring out for you, it sounds like. You know, what what is my angle? What is my niche? What is my so what you shared how you've done it. How do you help other employees do that journey at Mercer, you know, and figuring that out? Because just telling people to go get on social is um it's, yeah, it's not it's not going to work, is it? They've got to get to that. Where do I fit in all of this? How does that work? Is there yeah, a way I, I think that's a great question. And, and I think you have to also take just a, a, a realistic approach to this, too, that there needs to be some sort of guidelines, right? I mean, it, it, rewind 20 years ago, we would have thought that's a PR nightmare. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so yeah. you, do, you do need to equip colleagues with, you know, not only the, the empowerment, but with the right tools and the know-how and Kind of the guidelines and so one of the things we i certainly say is um i've read many a social media policies in my day um are two pages literally two powerpoint slides it's not even two pages um and i think that's really important if you give someone a 40 page document they're not going to read it and if they don't understand that the channels they're not going to understand what's in those 40 pages so we first of all keep it simple to the point um, make sure that it really connects with the individual and an individual that may have never used the channels before. Um, so we kind of set that as the, the core foundation. And then what we like to do is really, I always like to start with, it doesn't matter if you've ever tweeted, you've ever posted on LinkedIn, before you do anything, get your, and I'm gonna you know, now pull a phrase from Timothy Hughes, but get your storefront or your store shop really up, up to par first. Because the last thing you wanna do is start investing time on any channel, let's say LinkedIn, 
and you're sharing content and you're writing blogs, yet the person who clicks through to your profile, you know, either sees no photo, there's nothing that tells who you are, your profile's a shell. I mean, so, so I always like to encourage colleagues, let, let's just start, regardless of where you wanna take this journey, you may never wanna actually engage on social, you may wanna just be active periodically, you may wanna become an employee influencer, but let's start with the foundation. So that's kind of the really most critical piece that we start with. And we have ways of kind of working with our colleagues from scale to one-on-one -on -one to really help them put their best selves forward. I like to say, and especially now in the era of COVID, um, you want your virtual profile to represent as strongly what you are like to meet face-to-face. -face. So if I read someone's profile on LinkedIn and it is kind of flat and it doesn't really tell me much about them, that I take away an impression. And I think that is what, in a tenth of a second, you make an opinion about someone. So let's make that opinion so that they truly can see how incredible you are in real life. Um, and I think that is foundationally the most important. If you don't do anything else after this LinkedIn Live today, make sure that your storefront is spectacular. And then we won't even get into the algorithms, right? I mean, if we think about, we don't know exactly how they work, but we know that your presence is diminished if, and you're not maximizing the opportunity if your, your profiles aren't stellar, if you're not maximizing how you, you elevate yourself and, and promote yourself. So um, I think that's so important. Um, and then from there, I always listen to the employee. You don't want to tell someone they have to go on social media. I mean, and, and you can take that approach. I actually don't think it's going to materialize in the long run. Um, I think you need to ask people to raise their hands or maybe have a conversation with them and, 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 and talk about like the incredible expert they are and the, the work they're doing and that there's an opportunity for them to elevate professionally and to connect more deeply. And if they're in sales or client facing to extend their current reach and their, their impact by exploring digital channels. And, and I think you need to really establish that. They have to, they have to be committed. Because otherwise, I mean, it, it's not gonna stick. Um, I don't know that. So I, I think that's so important. And then once you're mentally committed, I'm committed. If you tell me I want to do X, my goal is to become this, then we're gonna be there right by your side and we're gonna coach you, help you, and give you the tools to, to succeed. Yeah, I, I think through doing a lot of analysis on the, on the professional services consultancy firms community, we can see that Mercer has such a great social connectivity amongst employees. So you've obviously got a fantastic uh, program there. And I really get it when the when the senior execs or anybody in the organization has that mindset that you commit with them. I really love that kind of 50-50 uh, commitment. Um, it, to, to take someone that's probably the most uh, challenging or difficult to encourage, you know, someone, maybe a senior leader or sales leader, that just says, I don't have time to do this and I don't think my target audience or my end customer is on social. I don't see the buyer on social. How do you, how do you sort of react to that kind of uh, comment internally? These are such real questions, Tim, but, but ones that we definitely face every day and I'm sure many organizations do. Um, what I don't do is I don't start by telling them that there are 6.9 billion people, <laughs> you know, social media or whatever the current stat is, because I don't think that really relates to them. Although we as, as social experts know the size of the communities and we know that they're out there, that your client is out there. Um, what I try to do instead is, first of all, I actually find that you have to think about one's time, right? So an executive is starving for time. So he or she is most likely not the first person that you're gonna now tell, say, let's double down and start investing an hour a day and build your profile. It's probably not the right place to start. But with that said, you know, if we, if we look, you know, maybe a couple levels down in the organization and whether it's a sales leaders team and look at, you know, who are the people that really are interested and we can basically elevate them to be the eyes and ears for that leader or for that sales rep, because a lot of the conversations and even, you know, with people that we want to directly connect with from a target audience perspective, they may or may not be on social media per se. And, and Tim, I think, you know, the analytical team put out a great piece. It's probably been two years now, um, but I think it's one of my favorite pieces where you you talked about the, the whole transformation of employee advocacy from, you know, the, the traditional kind of just click and content through to the connectivity with, you know, um, influencers. And in there you talk about kind of the dark social. So that's actually something that does resonate when we talk to leaders. It's the idea that 
you may not directly get your prospect to see something and click on it, but it's not necessarily only about them. It's about the fact that our colleagues are connecting with people like them and your target audiences are also, they also have communities on social. And so you see something through your community and then you may share it through a direct message on LinkedIn. You may WhatsApp it, you may just email it. And that happens a lot. I mean, I see that every day um, where colleagues might say, see something and then share it to a big group internally and say, I saw this on LinkedIn. And of course the social person in me is like, why don't you just mention them all? Yeah. And say, yeah, you guys would love to read this and start a conversation, but I understand that that's a huge dynamic and we can't measure that. It's intangible and that makes it really difficult when you're trying to demonstrate the power of social media. Um, so I think, and that actually has really helped us because then it helps explain more the value of having so many colleagues engaging because, because they're then all putting their web out into the social ecosystem and they're finding ways to connect with all these prospects and communities. And then sometimes it's not even a direct connection. Sometimes it's with a, an influencer, someone who actually does this professionally. I know Tim, you, you, know, you guys invest a lot of time in, in true influencer marketing. And then that influencer is connected with that individual and then he or she amplifies it and their followership is really deeply uh, you know, ingrained with like CIOs or other kind of C-suite individuals that we're trying to connect with. So I think it's really helping them understand and kind of breaking it down. And then we tie it back obviously to um, measurable things that we can show how our content is getting out there and the value that that is creating, especially now with everyone on virtual and now with perhaps a lot of organizations that don't have the luxury to be spending as much money and maybe some of the other channels that they've invested in previously. I was going to ask about measurement <clears throat> and since you brought it up I think it might be a good time to talk about it how do you measure in two ways your your individual um you know how do you measure yourself individually how do you know when you're having a good week or a bad week on social what's your general hunches but then from a, a company perspective you know when you're engaging employees en masse to be part of the social conversation how do you know whether that's working or not what sort of things do you do to measure Oh, it's, a great, it's a great question. Um, admittedly, I, I, I spend um, more time measuring on the professional side than I do on the personal side. Just put that out there. Um, I, do, I do not measure my personal performance uh, on a weekly basis. I would love to. It, it's frankly just a, a, it's a it, there's it's only a so many hours. It's, it's a qualitative measure, Danielle. It's a social freak of social freak of nature <laughs> in a qualitative sense is your measurement that uh, your community thinks you're great. <laughs> oh, well, uh, thank you very much. That's that's uh, very humbling. Um, I, what the, the, Sarah, honestly, what I do is I, I live in my notifications. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on, I, I don't have a specific time of day when I go into social media. Um, I, I check it in the morning. I'm online late in the evening. Um, and then I'm in and out throughout the day. It's very transient kind of, uh, it, it's never like a, a lunchtime thing. Um, I do always first and foremost start with my notifications and again because to me it's about community so if someone's mentioned me or if someone's tagged me or someone's commented i start there um so to me that's really a great indicator some days the conversation's huge and i'm like what's happened like um i see oh some people have shared some really great content or maybe some new things have launched um and then some days it's a little quieter and and that could also be a reflection because i was a little quieter so um but in terms of beyond that, I, I don't spend, I, I do look at the hard data, but I definitely don't do that weekly. Now, I think that, I do, oh. before you move on to the company thing, I think that's a great tip, actually, for anybody that's starting out. Because if you're sat there refreshing your SSI score every day, oh. or if you're looking at your Twitter engagement rate, just don't do it. You're concentrating on the wrong things. Look at the notifications, get involved in the conversation. So I think that's a great, I think that's a great tip, Tanya. Uh, but yeah, I think it. I think just to add to that, uh, we all believe in the social journey. I think that the mobilizing the masses is that the most difficult thing is when that kind of critical mass starts believing also and in investing the time because all the people that are converted uh, will go, yeah, I, I absolutely believe in what you do. I think to be able to develop people's personal brand who think that they don't have time, think that their customers are not on social and so and uh, uh, trying to hide from that, it'll be, 
it's just interesting to see like when they actually, I think it's like crossing the chasm as, as per the famous book, you know, that the maturity of uh, social transformation within companies is going to happen over the next few years. And, you know, and I think it's to the, to, to that segment that don't, don't get it yet. Like that, those are the people that, um, that, that, that need to be encouraged. Yeah. And, and it's not too late. You can start today. I mean, I, I, I even look back, you know, our team has worked with colleagues this year in the last six months that started their journey um, 120 days ago. And when you look back at their journey, I like to work with colleagues in 30 month increments. So we, we meet, we talk about a few things, we kind of focus on a core area and we regroup in 30 days. 30 days to me is enough time that if you're actually investing the time in that you said you are committing to it, we're going to see some engagement, some traction, starting to build momentum. And then we'll tap into the next focus area. And we kind of go through a cycle like that. And by the fourth round of a 30-day meeting, you're, you're ready to go. Um, it's really now all about you. You've got some wind under your, you know, your wings. Um, and you, you've started, you've either gotten the buzz, and you're like, I like this. I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> or you've maybe realized, I, you know, I understand it. I, I'm not ready to commit my time at this point. Um, normally the drop off is well before you get to the fourth wave of it, but it's really so rewarding to see colleagues who have kind of come through that and, and they're popping up in my feed, they're engaging with people. I mean, because they're doing it, but I just find that so rewarding to see that when you start seeing that on scale um, and then they're amazed with the opportunities that come forward, they're getting invited to speak at events. Maybe they're being asked to be published in something. I've had colleagues say, you know, they were asked to contribute to a chapter in a book. Um, just so many things that come to them professionally. Um, it, it's incredible. And, and then when people start seeing that, that's when like their eyes open up even more. But you're right, Tim. There's some colleagues literally just say, I'm, I'm not interested or I don't believe in it or I don't have time for it. Um, I do think, you know, like email, it's going to become essential. It already is essential. I mean, if you don't have a complete profile on social media, even if you're not active, I mean, it is essential that you have a that you're there because you're for whatever you're doing, whether it's a client meeting, they're going to Google you before they connect with you, or if it's an opportunity to speak in an event and they're looking for experts or thought leaders, they're going to Google. So, for crying out loud, don't you want to show up in Google? I mean, we're, we're professional. It sounds like we're going to be working till we're 150 right now. So we <laughs> well put our best foot forward to create every opportunity for ourselves. My God. <laughs> oh, that's interesting that thought. With dread. <laughs> uh, so have you seen any change in Mercer since the pandemic? Have there been, you know, more employees saying, hey, I want to go out on social. Do you, can you help me more? Absolutely. I mean, so you, you mentioned earlier, um, Tim, about the, the global consultancy industry report that came out from your organization a little earlier this year and how we have a, 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 a strong community of colleagues across social media. That community has only grown. And, and actually, uh, that community is perfect right now for the current environment. And, you know, credit, a, a large credit to that community goes to um, Christina Dove who may or may not be watching today, but is a, a really prominent uh, member of our employee advocacy community. And she actually created a, a hashtag called Mercer Active about three, four years ago now, um, because she herself is inspired by being physically fit and, and, and exercise and what it means to her for her mental wellness and, and just the overall kind of balance in her life. And other people also share that. And so she actually brought people together around that. And we kind of connected that into our employee advocacy community and from there have just built out and built out and um in a moment when we can't connect face to face and when actually exercise and wellness is critical to mental health during this pandemic more than ever um, we've been able to really see more colleagues join that conversation connect find ways to help one another to support one another to engage with one another and then those conversations then carry on so a lot of them are really jovial and, and fun. And you see like they're real time all day, all weekend. Um, but then that also creates relationships that we take internally um, into kind of what we do at work and then that we help connect people that way. So it's, it's really incredible. And I've actually been a big evangelist through the pandemic to elevate the importance of social media and, and to really help charge forward and build more momentum with our employee advocacy community because we've all seen the data. 
that you know engagement is at an all-time high on LinkedIn, participation on social channels is increasing double digits month by month through the pandemic. Um, our competitors are there. The people that we're looking to connect with are there. So this is a huge opportunity. Why are we not there? And, and for those who have predominantly worked face-to-face, -face, especially with external key call, uh, audiences, why would you not immediately start exploring a virtual opportunity? Now, not everyone is willing to do that, but a lot have, and, and we're definitely here to support them on that journey. So we've definitely seen um, an increase. But again, it, it, we, we really focus on those who want to participate. Um, and I think that's so important. Um, those that really are, are, are prepared and, and ready to jump in. Um, and then we work with them just like we have with the rest of our, our community to make sure that they're leading with their own voice. Can I just, um, Sarah, sorry, we just got lots of live comments, questions. Yes. Um, uh -oh. And so um, that was actually a, a, a comment from, a question from Zofia Grita. Um, thanks for watching. And also um, Sarah Fernandez said, can you talk more about that 30 day cadence? What, what type of content or goals do you use for, for, every, for, for every phase, sorry? That's a great question. Um, it, and I don't want to throw a wrench in it, but it depends on the persona. And I know, Tim, you brought that up. So it, if, you're, if you're someone who's wanting to um, just have a presence and you may come in and out periodically, maybe a couple times a month, but you're not committing to really building a network and being there every single day, um, then we really focus on ensuring that your foundations are set so your profile is fully up to date. All aspects of your LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever channels it is you're going to invest in are up to date. And then we focus on how, how do you build community, right? So it's about you give to get. The one thing I always say, you give, you give, you give, you give, you give, you'll slowly start to get. I always say it's a marathon, not a race. So it's going to feel like you're just giving forever before you actually see something that you are looking for back. So this is not an instant gratification platform. This is not where you all of a sudden drive traffic to your, your website. It increases by 100% in 30 days. So we, we teach people. So let's say you're interested in healthcare. Okay, so what's your point of view in the health conversation? Maybe you're immersing into digital health. That's great. So now we teach people. So if you work for an organization that's in that space, there's probably some thought leadership and intellectual capital that you can share. And then what else do you read in a day-to-day -day basis in that space to in inform you and inspire you? So bring those together and start to share them. You need to establish a cadence. Don't start with 20 posts a day because you happen to see influencer John doing that, right? You have to do what's right for you. Maybe start with one or two posts a day and make sure you're balancing your perspective with the organization you work for and then you can slowly start to build momentum so we really work with kind of establishing what you're going to talk about establishing your cadence uh, and then using hashtags correctly you know i love the use of you know hashtag i am so tired fantastic but if you're trying to build awareness visibility around a conversation that might not get you there so we we, we understand how do you understand a hashtag how do you look up on linkedin or on twitter or on whatever platform the reach of a hashtag um and it's most simplest terms these people don't need to understand the mechanics but just the basic context that if no one else is ever using this hashtag it's actually not going to add to helping your exposure so how do you use them and how do you use them appropriately don't put 20 of them you know maybe use one two three um and as much as you can weave those hashtags into your narrative don't just dump them at the end of the message because then it looks a little bit spammy so we kind of go through those foundations um and then we we let you go right and then we come back in 30 days and like have you shared anything uh what have you been sharing and we talk about is it around a conversation that you're interested in? Have you stuck to that swim lane or are you kind of a little bit all over the place? Um, how have you used hashtags? Have you focused on a core set that you're gonna continue to use or are you a little bit all over the place? And from there, then we build a okay, the next step. Okay, so now who out there have you seen that you find interesting? Who's sharing content that really inspires you, right? So I know, as you know, I, I, I tend to share a lot of content around the future of work. So to me, someone like a David Green, a David Ulrich, you know, a Megan Biro, there's a lot of people out there I know are just prolific in that space. Follow them, engage with their content, comment on it, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll see that and they may comment back, right? And, and I would hope so, right? I hope it's a two-way conversation with some of these like kind of renowned colleagues. Um, so, and then you start a conversation. I said, so that's your next chapter. Start 
focusing on those relationships. If you're engaging with employees, well, if an employee congratulates you on something, say thank you. <laughs> so we kind of talk about this whole two-way dialogue. And then we go for another 30 days and practice engagement. Um, and then we start talking about more like the notifications because a lot of people get tripped up with well, someone mentioned me and I don't know who they are. Or like someone tagged me in something and I don't know what that is. What do I do? So then we start talking about, you know, those are both opportunities because they could create new exposure, new conversations. It's a great way to meet new people. And, and then we also look at, you know, maybe there are things that you're not interested in getting into, or maybe it is legitimately spam um, and how to manage through that. So we kind of have chapters and, and you have to be bite-sized, right? I mean, colleagues are completely new to this. So you can't just throw them into it the way you or I might just dive in. Um, and I think that's worked the best. Then they can build comfort and confidence bit by bit. And, uh, and, and through that though, I think um, it's important to also show. So, you know, we, we'll role play. Like, let's say you write a blog, Sarah. Um, I might write a tweet for that blog. And then I'll, I'll share with, how did I come up with that tweet? Here's a couple different ways to look at a piece of content, pull quotes out or sound bites um, and help them understand that there is no right answer, right? It's what resonated with you. And then they'll say, well, this, okay, so let's turn that into a message. Um, and kind of really help them. The hands-on bit is, is really valuable. So we do that like in large groups, and then you'll find that those that are really interested will always reach out afterwards and ask more questions, or maybe say, could you look at this for me? And if 100 people reach out, that's success. That's not a lot of work. If 1,000 people reach out, that's even bigger success. I, that's not a lot of work. And a, and a lot of work. <laughs> well, it is, but that's what we're here for. So, have you got, Danielle, that's a really good point. And I saw it on the question there. It's like, how do you train these people? Is there a team behind you? Are you doing this one-on-one? -on -one? Are you doing this in group webinar sessions? Have you got e-learning? How, how are you enabling your teams to do this at scale? Because some employees in big companies, how do you tackle that? That's a great question. So obviously, I'm certainly not a team of one. Um, we have an incredible team. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to be surrounded by people that are wicked smart, much smarter than me, and, and, and keep me on my toes and challenge me daily. Um, there's, there's, you know, and our team actually is, is composed of, at Mercer, we, we have, um, there, there's actually less than eight of us on the core team across the world. Um, but then we work with colleagues in countries. So the individual may not have it as their prominent role, but they are absolutely almost like the ambassador or the, the, the you know, they own the brand presence on social media for that particular geography. And so uh, we work closely with them and we partner with them and we make sure that we're helping them, we're transporting best practices, et cetera. Um, and then we obviously have our external partners. So as you know, we work with Thule, and I consider them a part of our team. I mean, they are instrumental to everything that we do. And then we also have our partner, Dynamic Signal, which is the platform we use for employee advocacy. And whilst they are the tech behind what we do, at the end of the day, you, you need, I deeply believe you need a platform and you need to use it correctly. You need to use it correctly, but you do need a platform if you want to be able to scale. Because otherwise, I, I can't even imagine the business of just sending emails that yeah. Can you copy and paste? Uh, allow people to do it when they want, where they want, you know, however they want. And then again, back to those guidelines we talked about, it enables you to set up those foundational guidelines so that you are adhering to, you know, corporate standards while empowering at the same time. Brilliant. I was going to just say about that, you know, you, the team that you have and this, how you scale this out, is it typically marketing that is driving this or would you say it's comms? Is it a mix? Is it sales? Who in the company is championing this approach uh, to your colleagues and employees? That's a great question. Uh, and I've actually seen so many different models that work. So I and at Mercer, it's actually it, it's being championed by our entire leadership team so it's not one center of excellence and i think that's really valuable because we all need to deeply believe in it in order to really do this authentically um now i've seen it work being championed out of marketing i've seen it work being championed only out of comms um but there will become a, a point in time where you kind of hit that external invisible wall that you need like a bigger or a next champion to help you hurdle over. So the fact that we're able to have connectivity with everyone from the business to the leadership, to the marketing, to the comms, to all aspects of the organization, really everyone's in this together. 
And um, we're ensuring that, you know, we're prioritizing collectively and that we're engaging in a way that is really um, helping the entire organization go forward. And that's superb, isn't it, Tim? I mean, we've talked about this for a long time now about the holistic approach to social. You know, when it's championed by one department, you are going to hit a wall. And and worse than that, you're going to get silos within the company and you're going to start having advocacy tools popping up all over the place for different functions. It becomes a mess. So um, the holistic approach is absolutely spot on. Brilliant. Yeah, and I, I love the decentralization that you've got happening at Mercer, Danielle. And I know from speaking to you in the past, it's it's because you, you empower, you give them a model and a way of working where they can make progress themselves and then support it rather than controlling it. And I think that's a really, really fine balance to get right. Um, but it's also the enthusiasm that you and your team, you know, put into the whole program. I think, I think that speaks volumes as well. So, well, I think, yeah, Tim, lovely. just to that comment, I mean, I, I, I certainly wouldn't feel in the, in, the, in the right position to be able to go to any one market and say, here's how you do it, because there's so many local factors. Um, I'm not an expert in the dynamics locally, whether it's cultural, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, just the, the entire way they use digital channels. Um, but instead, what I can do is help them understand maybe like a maturity approach to social media or employee advocacy, and that, you know, if we're getting started early out of the gate, you know, these are kind of the foundational things we need to be looking at. If you're already doing all these foundational things, um, and again, and then what's your goal? Are you trying to build brand awareness? Are you trying to drive traffic somewhere? Are you trying to drive attributable revenue? There's, there's so many goals to this whole conversation. So it's important that based on their goals and where they're at in the journey, that we kind of are able to say, well, then here's what we recommend you do next. And it is something that we can just package and lift and carry over. But importance is recognizing that not everyone's the same. Every channel and every individual is at a different stage on that maturity curve. And so is it the the, the local regions or business units that, that give you those those goals? And if so, is it mostly attributable revenue or brand awareness that, they, that they're looking to achieve? Um, it, it, we definitely partner. So with everyone we're working with, we definitely partner with them. And yes, they will articulate what it is they're trying to achieve through social media. Um, obviously, as an organization, we also have goals that we're focused on. I actually am not, you know, and there's probably a lot of people out there that are going to be <laughs> disagreeing with me, but I actually don't think that revenue should be the primary goal for being on social media. Um, it can, you can drive revenue. Now, if you're a dot com, an e-commerce platform and you're, you know, you're Amazon, that, that's a different conversation. But in the consultancy space, it, I don't believe it should be the primary reason you're on social media. Um, it's also, you know, this is very much a art and science. So there's enough gray there that it's very difficult to say with 100% certainty in the buyer journey today that, you know, this sale came through this interaction on social because they're all over the place. They could have got an email, they could have attended an event. I mean, so so I try to not make that be the primary driver. Now it could be a contributing element, um, but rather, I mean, I look at social, I mean, social is really about amplification, visibility, so the brand awareness. So whether it's an individual's awareness, the brand, your name, so definitely look at things like brand awareness. You can, you know, I think another great one, and Sarah and I, you know, talked about it, which is driving traffic to like a, you know, to tr tribalimpact.uk, kind of like to your website, to an owned entity. So driving traffic somewhere is absolutely something that's valuable. But again, that's not a consistent KPI across the organization because that's not something that not all colleagues are interested in really focusing on. Um, we look at things like earned media, which is a very, you know, well-known <laughs> kind of KPI in, in the industry. Um, you know, and then we look at engagement and, and we break down engagement. We look at clicks and we look at comments and things like that. Um, because all of these different things give us really strong insights, share of voice. Um, but these are all very common KPIs. I think, Tim, the value comes in choosing the right ones for what you're trying to accomplish. Too often, I'll see like a dashboard if I'm working with a, a colleague or someone else in the social space outside of Mercer and the dashboard has like 20 KPIs and you know what, they're all relevant. But which ones are you really focused on to drive your goal? And too often it's more like, we're just measuring to measure and we're yeah. gonna But you're not saying, this is the goal, here's how I measure. This is the next goal, here's how we measure. Um, I'd rather measure less, but measure more effectively. 
Yeah, spot on. I think we can we get a bit of analysis paralysis, don't we? And we just keep looking yeah. at numbers and not actually understanding how it's impacting. And and I also think it engineers the wrong kind of behaviour sometimes because you know you're so focused on hitting certain numbers, certain followers, certain clicks, and and actually we forget the whole point of social, which is about relationships and and actually building conversations and connecting the company and you know and facilitating that holistic approach to social activation. So, so, so surely KPIs should be there for giving. Why don't you create a giving yes. KPI, Danielle, in yes. in Mercer? And with, with like altruistic KPI that no senior board level person would be interested in, uh, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. How, many, uh, how many pieces of content did you share this week? How many engagement? How many people did you say thank you to this week on social? Exactly. I, I, would be, I, would be, I would be um nervous, though, Sarah, about the how many pieces of content did yeah. you share? Oh, yeah. We take that one really back. easy one to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. Click, 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 click on the app. Yeah. yeah. Spammers. The comments oh. is a great idea. I, I like that idea, kind of the, the comment idea as a, as a giving KPI, because honestly, I mean, that's the best way to create conversation. And often people say, well, I don't have anything to say. If you don't have anything to say, but you took the time to watch the video, listen to this LinkedIn Live, or read a piece of content, you can simply just say, you know, that was a really interesting read, Sally. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. If you don't have a really sharp point of view. Or you can ask a question. I mean, we can all just say, like, you know, thank you for sharing. That was really interesting. Um, I tend to like to do a bit more than that because I always like to think that there's something else we got from it. But I also recognize that not everyone is comfortable with going out with a really poignant or sharp point of view, you know, a little bit provocative. So just say thank you. But you know what, Daniel? You're absolutely right because I don't think people even understand that behaviour. You know, how do I pick something out of a blog to highlight it? How do I don't think people realise that you can do that in blogs, you know, or in comments. You know, if you've read something that you found interesting, pick it out. Say thank you. This is the thing I found most interesting. Yeah. I think it's almost teaching people how to comment and how to engage, isn't it? It's a behaviour that perhaps we just take for granted because we've been doing it for a while. But people new to social probably don't understand even like the little basics. Yeah, and then you have to think, right? There's some very smart content marketers out there. Content marketing is not new. So those who are doing it right have set it up for us already. They've made it easy. Look for the post. Yeah, they, they make them stand out. Look for the stats. Everybody yeah. loves stats. That's a good one. Yeah. You know, I always look at the look at the, the beginning, first and closing paragraphs. I'm always disappointed when that closing paragraph doesn't like bring it all together and punch it with a wow factor. I'm like, oh, they kind of ended on a soft note, didn't they? So, you know, those are like some immediate quick ways. What I actually don't like is using the title. No. That's lazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, add an emoji and uh, say thank you. That's a good I, I think that a lot of content, sometimes as content marketers, you see that more people uh, shared your content than viewed it sometimes. And you're thinking, oh, people are just like thinking, that's probably going to be good. I'm going to share it. But what I love about like when both of you comment on uh, on content that we maybe share in the community is you do pick out that that thing in the middle of the content. You're like, I know that they watched it. I know that they read it and they valued it and everyone else has got involved in the conversation. And that that does feel different because most people don't do that. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Just just highlighting other people's content you know, gets you noticed and, and starts the conversation. But but Tim, why share it if you haven't looked at it or read it or listened? Well, I, that, that to me is one of my principles. And I know not everyone agrees with it, but you can know for a fact that if I've shared something, re-shared it, retweeted it, whatever the mechanism is, I have for sure read that thing and I have or I have watched it. Because otherwise, like, what's the point? I'm not a bot. I already clarified that at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I also want to make sure that my community knows that I've paid attention to this and I'm actually taking an action to share it because it's worth it. Yeah, but this is your brand, right? This is your reputation. And I think for folks that are new to doing this, any employee that wants to start on this, if you do anything, it's protect your reputation. Because, you know, the moment you do share that thing that you didn't read and it had something controversial in it, and then suddenly you find yourself in a storm totally unintentionally, but because you didn't protect your reputation, for first and foremost, you know, less is more. Send out less, but send quality. So, say you could apply the same principles to networking, I guess, you know, and building your network, you know, connect with people you know. Um, so, 
Or, or that you quickly researched, right? Like I often, I get inundated with um, notifications. And actually, oddly enough, my notifications in LinkedIn, like in my private, like the outreach connections, have in the past couple months has kind of gotten a lot more spammy. Oh, mine has. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting the most interesting outreaches. And I was like, why now? <laughs> so, so I had to like filter through to find the real ones. But I absolutely do connect with people that I don't know. But but do your due diligence before that. And, and people are smart, right? I saw you in a conversation with Tim, really enjoyed this. I'm also interested in this field. And I'm like, okay, you got my attention. I'll go see who you are read your profile. So again, if that profile is an empty shell, you're not winning points. So have an updated profile. It helps build credibility immediately. I'll see who you're engaging with, look at your activity, and I'll make a decision. Really brilliant individual. I would love to connect with this person and, and expand my knowledge and my community as well. And then I'll connect. So I absolutely connect with people that I don't know, but I don't blindly accept. No. Like someone that actually truly don't have a way to connect with them, then I mean, you have to make the decision that's right for you. Mm -hmm. So, so since we've uh, since we obviously highlighted a lot of like really uh, wonderful, uh, I think, uh, program culture and behaviors that you've driven in in Mercer, uh, Danielle, with you and your your team, I wanted to just ask you like what you think uh, maybe hasn't gone as well either personally or professionally because you know everyone's human and i know that you talk about um struggling to switch off from social media and trying to bring those barriers you know uh, to be able to enable that digital detox to happen um what, what what other areas are like a challenge for you rather than everyone thinking that that you're able to manage everything that you do because it's it's obviously a lot um to be able to to run on a day-to-day -day basis it's a great it's a great question um i mean the first of all the the digital detox is is absolutely top of that list um just personally professionally based on what i do it is difficult to disconnect um i do but i don't do it as often as i should um i actually struggle one of my biggest struggles is actually uh i don't invest as much time i have aspirations i have goals that i'm trying to achieve but I continue to kind of put them off to the side. These are personal. And in terms of what I want to do on social, there is more that, I, it's hard to believe, Tim, but there's more that I actually want to do doing. So I will often reflect back and be like, you know, I, I need to actually sit down and, and put some clearer divisions so that I can dedicate more time to what I'm personally aspiring to. Um, and that's a challenge that I struggle with, my, with myself on. Um, but then, you know, with respect to professionally, um, it's really, I mean, I look to like what's next, right? So we're, we're building a really great ecosystem. We're doing some incredible things. Um, there are many things we have yet to do and it's about really kind of finding that time to, to kind of create that next chapter and where we can go next. And there's so much that we have yet to do before we are ready for that, but that's lingering, like I, you know, and and I'm always looking to see what are other organizations doing, what are other experts in the field, what are you and you and Sarah doing with with your clients and thought leadership that we have not yet tapped into, um, and that kind of stuff keeps me up at night to, to to make sure that you know we are keeping pace with the awareness and it's considered into everything that we do because you know this is a very fast moving space. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have time to rest. Yeah. Things are changing daily. I mean, <laughs> plenty of time for rest in the afterlife, right? Yeah. There we go. There we go. But I, you know, Tim, you have a great point. I think most, most importantly, regardless of what role you're in, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of where you are in your social journey, you absolutely have to disconnect. Um, we just need to for for our own mental health. It enables us to come back just better, sharper, um, and just realize that you know it will still be there when you come back. If for some reason you can't tweet for a week you know, just add, don't add it to your stress list. It will still be there when you get back and your community will welcome you back and you can pick right back up where you started. That's actually something that I had to learn from experience. I was once that person that had that anxiety that like, I can't leave it. You can, and you should. Um, and then you keep building when you come back. Fantastic. I, I think we're gonna have to, to wrap up soon because we're nearly at the top of the hour. Sarah, do you have any 
Any remaining questions? Or I no. mean, we could, we, we could go on for hours, but we could, um, with Danielle. Yeah, you're just like the font of all knowledge, Danielle. It's fascinating. I just love listening to you. No, I, I've got loads of notes, but I think that was a great closing point about digitally disconnecting as well as connecting. You know, we put a lot of effort into connecting, but actually, you have to just cut off now, just have a complete refresh. So, I think that's a great closing point. And we've, um, well, thank you. Yeah, and it, I mean, an opportunity to chat with both with both you and Tim is, you know, this is amazing. I, I love, I learn so much from both of you. I follow both of you. I read everything that you publish. Um, everything. Oh my god! People like us in the industry <laughs> uh, continue to push our own boundaries and and inspire, keep us inspired. Well, well, well thank you, Danielle. And I, I know you're. Uh, we talked about your, you know, personal stuff because you're. I know you enter yoga, cooking, uh, you know, traveling. Um, I guess that you're doing less of the. The traveling, less of the inviting lots of people over for dinner, but I hope that your um, cooking and yoga is is going well and that you're keeping sane in this pandemic. Um, but thank you so much for coming like, on to our social advocacy series. It's been wonderful having you um, on our show. And for any more resources that anyone wants to, um, uh, to read up on or any previous interviews, then go to Onlytica or Tribal's uh, resources pages on onlytica.com or tribalimpact.com. I have yeah. got that right, haven't I, Sarah? You have, yeah. Com. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, thank you so much. And uh, we look thank forward to so seeing much, you in the next series. Yeah. Thank Wonderful. You. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. -bye. bye, -bye.